Good morning. How is everybody? Good. Hey, I want to welcome our Noonan campus, our LaGrange campus at the same time. Let's give each other a great round of applause. So excited that you're here with us today. We're kicking off this new series called Strapped, and it's going to be awesome. But before we do that, as I welcome both of our campuses today, I want to tell you that we have something really special coming up on Tuesday night, March the 10th. I'm asking all of our church, Noonan and LaGrange, to converge on the city of LaGrange at the Delavant Event Center at 7 p.m. on Tuesday night, March the 10th. We're having a huge night of worship in the city of LaGrange. We've rented out this event center. It's a really historic, cool place. It's really fun, eclectic. If you've never been down there, it's awesome. But we are going to have a night of worship together as the believers, as the body of Christ, and as Southcrest Church. And so I want to invite you, whether you're here at Noonan or you're at LaGrange, would you come out on Tuesday night, the March the 10th, and would you worship with us? We're going to pray together. It's going to be awesome, all right? So make sure and mark your calendars for that. So we are into this series, first week on money. So look at your neighbor real quick and say, it stresses me out. Yeah. When it comes to money, it stresses me out. Now, I want to do a really quick duh survey. You know what a duh survey is, right? How many of you wish you had more money? Woo! Hallelujah! Right? You're like, man, if I had more money, I wouldn't have any more problems. I heard people say that. More money, more problems. No money, more problems, okay? I mean, it doesn't matter how you slice it. When we come to the idea of how we talk about money... And many times how we stress about money, it can affect our lives. So here's where some of this really precipitated for me. On February the 5th, the American Psychological Association released an article. And they had done a research project where they had surveyed thousands of people. And they basically realized that even though the economy seems to be changing in our country, people are stressed out about money. I mean, even though gas prices, even though it seems like people have a little bit more in their pocket, it seems like when it comes to money and how they handle their money and what they do with their money seems to not bring more freedom to their life. It seems to bring more stress to their life. They say in the article that despite economic recovery, money continues to nag the American psyche. Listen to this. Financial worries are the source of stress for over 65 people who they interviewed. 65 people. They said it's actually affecting Americans so bad that one in five Americans in the last month made a decision not to go to the doctor to save money. They said, I don't need the doctor. I don't need antibiotics. I just need that extra 20 bucks in my wallet. I mean, that seems to be, when you think about it, it's actually costing us our health when we talk about money. So 65% of the people, listen to this, in the top rankings above stress of work, stress of family, and stress of your health, people stress more about money. I did a little research on my own. Do you realize the top five, top five things that married couples fight over? Number one, Money. Number two, children. Some of you are laughing. Number three, sex. Some of you go, oh, 
We don't fight about that, okay? Well, listen, if you don't, you'll have more children and then you'll have more set. You know, you'll have more stress in your life, okay? It'll come back around. The truth is this. We fight about money more than anything else as married couples. It's the top stress. So as they were rolling out this survey, they put together some facts about money that I think are very interesting. Look at the first one is this. Three out of four adults reported feeling stressed about money. Look at the next one. One in four have suffered from extreme stress over money in the past month. Like 25% of you at both of our campuses today could stand up and give a testimony about how in the last month you have even wrestled with depression over money. And so look at the next fact there. As of December 2014, the average American had $7,721 in credit card debt. You say, wow, we're paying it off. We had 15000 last year, okay? <laughs> I guess it's a matter of perspective. But I will tell you that if you're here at one of our campuses today and, and that is you, I want to tell you that God has a lot for us to talk about over the next two weeks. So it's going to be really cool. Look at the next one. Average student loan debt amount is 32264 Some of you go, that was last year. Okay, the next one. The average American lives on 136% of their income. Wow. The average American, I mean, we live on 136% of what our paycheck says. And so imagine the, the feeling of feeling strapped because of that alone. Look at the next one. The average 20-something will owe $45,000 in debt by the end of their 20s. You see, a lot of times when I was in college, I thought, oh man, I'll worry about that when I get married. Listen, if you're a teenager, if you're a college student, if you're a young 20-something, this series is so important because if it's true that the average 20-something by the end of their 20s will owe $45,000, I really think God wants us to address that in our life and, and talk a little bit more about that. So let me ask you the question, is all this stress about money really about how little we have? In 2007, they did a survey and they surveyed people who made over 50000 and people who made less than 50000 And listen to this. They discovered whether you made over 50000 or less than 50000 in 2007, you had the same stress when it came to money. You see, here's what we think. We think if I had more money, I wouldn't feel stressed. I remember walking into my dad one time and I said, Dad, I heard about this place called The Mint. And they actually make more money. Why can't we just go to the mint if we're broke and just get some more money? Why don't they just make more? You know, I mean, that was way before I understood economics. But the truth is, we kind of live in relationship to money that same way. So the idea that, that more money and more problems may not be accurate at all. You see, people even stress to talk about money. Today, honestly, if I was to announce that we're going to talk about sex in this room, some of you would go, all right, man, I can hang with that topic. But if I say we're going to talk about money, oh, 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 okay, it gets a little stressful. And I, I, I ask the question, why is that? Why does it get stressful when we talk about money? Here's why. Because finances are seen by most people as a personal matter. It's like something that we don't talk about, right? Like, if you knew today that we were going to flash your bank account balance on the screen, how would that make you feel? 
You know, aisle four, seat seven, this is your bank account, okay? <laughs> I mean, I think about it. We don't even talk with our family members about money. I remember growing up one time asking my dad, Dad, do, how much money do we have in the bank? And he's like, don't worry about it. I mean, relatives, right? You get together at family gatherings. It's not like you say, hey, how's your 401k doing? Or, hey, how's your savings account? Or, hey, I noticed this year that you've lost $20,000 or $10,000 or whatever. Even with our own family members, we don't talk about finances. Why? Because it's almost seen, money is almost seen as a taboo subject. I mean, I really look at it this way. I think, honestly, in America, we're more stressed out about 50 shades of green than we are 50 shades of gray. All right? When it comes to money, it stresses us out. God doesn't want it to be that way. In fact, even before we jump into the passage we're going to look at today, I want you to look at this one scripture out of Luke chapter 12. This is Jesus talking. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So even before we we dive in and we talk about money and why we feel strapped and how to live unstrapped with our money, we need to understand Jesus said there's a propensity in all of us to feel a little bit more greed than we should, to covet things, to hold on to things. I mean, we don't typically live our lives like this. We live our lives a little bit more like this. Like we we talk about how, you know, you saw the video earlier, the bumper video. Everyone's like, how much money can I get in this left, you know, this pocket right here? That's how we live our lives. So how we feel when we talk about money may tell us a lot. Because if today you feel stressed just talking about money, there's part of your answer. That's part of the conclusion you have to come to. Why do I feel stressed when I think about money? What if when you thought about money, it made you smile? Some of you go, I haven't got to that point yet. Well, that's why I'm glad you're here for the next two weeks. Because we're going to talk about how money shouldn't make us Grown, it should make us smile because we think about all that God has given us and all that he allows us to do. So here's what I want to say today. We struggle with money, not because of how much or how little we have, but because of our relationship with money, our relationship with money. It's not like you get up every day and you talk to your wallet or women. It's not like you get up every day and you look in your purse and you speak to the credit card and say, hey, you and I, how we doing? (laughs) You don't do that. But the truth is, it's not really about how much or how little we have. It's about our relationship with money. And let me say this. I think depending on how you were raised and how you were taught to view money, in the abundance or the lack thereof has a lot to do with your relationship with money. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit over the next couple of weeks. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be diving in there and we're going to be looking at this topic for next two weeks. And it's, it's going to be a great study. We're actually only going to look at three or four verses today. But I think they have to do with how we deal with our relationship with money. So, Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 19. Look what the Bible says right here. This is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, okay? He says, Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Look what he says. But store up 
for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, look at your neighbor real quick and say, store up. All right, some of you go, wow. How many of y'all ever seen this show called Storage Wars? Yeah, we got some reality TV or semi-reality TV watchers, okay? I, I turned on the television the other day, Storage Wars was on. If you've never seen this, this is kind of how it works. They walk into these storage places where people store like all their stuff, all their treasures, all their junk. And uh, they walk in and they basically lift the garage door. And these guys who are like antiquers and like garage sale type people, they walk in and they go, oh, I see something really good in there. Oh, okay, that's worth some money. And so they put the door down and then they bid on what's in the storage. And it's crazy. We have a whole reality show on people who store things and sell them. Now, I would love to know the statistic of people who take things to storage units and never go back and get them. I bet it's astronomical. But Jesus here in this passage, he said that where we store up things may affect how we feel about money. In fact, I, I said it this way, where we store up what is most important to us will either make us feel strapped or make us feel secure. That's really what Jesus was saying. So in this passage of scripture, when he begins to talk about this and, and you begin to think about where do you store up the things that are most important to you? It's funny, if you think about this, this actual word treasure, Jesus uses it here in this passage. He says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. He uses that word treasures. That word treasures in the Greek is the word thesauros. It's where we get our word thesaurus. And the word thesaurus means this. It's a storehouse of synonyms. Now, some of you look at your neighbor going, what's a synonym? Okay, go back to English. All right, you'll figure that one out. The truth is, it's a storehouse of synonyms. So if you go on your smartphone or you go to the library or wherever, and you look up and you say, hey, I want to know how things relate to each other, you pull out a thesaurus and you begin to say, hey, here's all the ways these things relate. Jesus used this very specific word because he wanted us to understand it's a storehouse for precious things. When he says, store up for yourself treasures, he said, it's a storehouse for precious things, the things that are most important to us in life. Now, if, you're, if you've ever known anyone who's lost anything in a fire or through a burglary, you talk to them and here's typically what they say. You know, I didn't mind losing the microwave and you know, I lost all of that really good furniture we bought. But the thing that I, we lost that I'm crushed over is we lost all of our pictures. We lost all of our keepsakes. We lost all of the most important treasures. So Jesus said, where you store up the most important things in your life will either make you feel secure or it will make you feel strapped. It's a storehouse for precious things. In verse 21, it would have read like this when he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's what it would have read like. Where your storehouse for precious things is, there your heart will be also. 
In other words, where you've chosen to put your money, where you've chosen to put your possessions, and where you choose to invest them is where your heart will be stored up as well. Now, I want to illustrate this to you. This is true about every aspect of our life. How many of you at both of our campuses have kids in competitive sports? Raise your hand. All right. Competitive dance. All right. Competitive tiddlywinks. Yeah. Competitive. Everything's competitive now, right? It's like, what, what kids, what, what teams, you, he's on the non-competitive team. Oh, no, he's not. He's on the competitive team, okay? So here's what happens. You sign your kid up. You're going to be on one of these travel teams, and you start shelling out the money, and all of a sudden, there's a practice schedule, right? And there's a trip schedule. We're going to be at this town at this time playing in this tournament. We're going to be doing all these things. And all of a sudden, on a Tuesday night, your child looks at you and says, hey, dad, I don't feel like going to practice today. Suddenly, where you've put your money is important because <laughs> you're going to look at your child and you're going to go, listen, we could have had a lot more food, okay? Like, I could have bought your mom a bigger ring, but because you're in this competitive sports team and we have paid out a lot of, yeah, we've made it rain, okay? We've done that. Because we've done that, you're going to go to practice. Well, dad, my lung, I don't care if your lung's collapsing, son. <laughs> Blow it up. Okay, prop it up. Just do whatever. But you're going to go. Why? Because you have an investment. It's not like you signed them up and said, hey, that's a really cool t-shirt. No, man, you got money invested here. You got time invested. You got street cred on the line. And that's what Jesus was saying here. He says, where you put your most precious things, there your heart will be also. I used to say it this way. Therefore, if your heart isn't somewhere, chances are your precious things aren't there either. No matter what this says, where this is, is where the precious things are. So Jesus here helps us understand how we relate to money is so, so important because it's not about the amount. It's about where you store the most precious thing because where you store it will either make you feel safe and secure or probably it will make you feel strapped. You see, it's, it's at this point in Jesus' teaching that people start to go, oh, that's, that's uncomfortable. I mean, I thought about it this way this week. If earthly treasure is our greatest concern in our life, we will always despise what Jesus said about money. Because at the end of the day, there has to be more. There has to be more than just cashing the check and paying the bills and owing somebody something and, 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 and even having a great 401k. Listen, if that's all it's about, Jesus said, I don't want that for you. I want more than that for you. That's why he said, hey, listen, don't put all your hope in these possessions. But whatever's most important to you, make sure you store it up in the right place. Why? Because our treasures have emotions attached to them. In fact, I, I fully believe that the reason that some people stress over money is not because of how little or how much they have. It's because they really know in the deep part of their heart, they're worried about where it's stored up. Number two, how we relate to money will affect our spiritual life, not just our financial life. You see, finances are not always a financial matter. They're just not. You say, well, 
my bank account says differently. It's got these numbers and these digits, and they, they tell me all these things. I was uh, counseling a, a couple a couple years ago who were about to get married, and we were doing the, the, the annual premarital part where we're counseling them and getting ready for them. And I, and I looked at them, and I said, hey, are you stressed about money? Like, as a young couple, you're going to get married? And he looked at me, and he says, I'm only stressed about one thing. I said, what is that? He said, I'm stressed about $35 iced teas. I was like, what? Where do you buy a $35 iced tea? He said, no, 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 you don't understand. She goes to McDonald's, the drive-thru, to get a large sweet tea, and we have a buck nine in our checking account. And so she charges it with her debit card, and suddenly that sweet tea cost me $35. I said, whoa. You see, it's more than just the financial issue. When Jesus talked about money, he says how we relate to money will affect our spiritual life, not just our financial life. Look at verse 22. Jesus says this. You see, most people, when they hear this part of the scripture, they don't realize how they relate. But look what he says. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If the eyes are healthy, the whole body, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Most of the time I've ever heard this passage taught, it was never in relationship to money. But listen, in these four verses, you cannot remove them from the context of what Jesus was talking about. Jesus talks about storing up treasure, and then immediately he begins to talk about the body. Now, here's the thing. In Scripture, our body often represents our inner life, not just our outer self. So a lot of times when, when you see in scripture, they're talking about an eye or a heart or, you know, whatever, a hand or whatever it may be, it's usually more about the inner life and not the outer self. So I started thinking about this, what Jesus said. He says, hey, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, in other words, if you don't have the right vision, things aren't healthy for you. Now, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I remember growing up, we would stand in the batter's box and typically somewhere out of the right side, the same people say the same things at baseball games. Have you ever noticed that? They have their sayings, okay? So every time the pitch would come down the line and I would swing, you know, there'd be kind of growls. But every time I would hold the bat and I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually take the pitch that I knew was bad, I'd hear some guy say this, good eye. Good eye. Good eye. I, I'm like, is my eye bad? I mean, you know, does it look funny? Is it crooked? You know, I got crazy eyes. I mean, what's going on here? And so he'd say, good eye, good eye. It's like the guy that says when you're in the outfield, hey, look alive, look alive. I'm like, do I look dead? It's kind of freaking me out, okay? So we look at a batter and we say, hey, good eye. Why do we say good eye? Because you didn't get faked out by the pitch. You didn't look at the guy on the mountain and say, I wonder if this one's going to be a strike. You had enough sense about you that when you saw the ball released, you saw the trajectory of the ball and you had a good enough vision of where it was going, you didn't swing and miss. I mean, that's baseball. Think about it. But when it comes to money, it's really the same way. Basically, what Jesus was saying here is this. Don't let the primary goal of your life be about money. There's something more than that. 
You see, if we don't see money in the right perspective, it will distort our view of life and it will fake us out. And I really think it will lead us to a place of spiritual dyslexia. We begin to see life backwards. We begin to see everything in our life through our bank account instead of through our spiritual life. So Jesus said, hey, how we relate to money will either make us feel safe and secure. How we relate to money will affect our spiritual life, not just our financial life. But the third one, how we see money will determine how we serve money. So he says this, look at verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Hey, at both campuses, I want us to say that together. You ready? You cannot serve both God and money. Now, how many of you in your job have a manager? Raise your hand. Yeah. How many of you have multiple managers, multiple layers of managers? Okay. So you know what it's like when you get that email or you get that text or you get, you know, some, we used to call it a memo. They don't do memos anymore. Uh, you get that, that deal that says, hey, this is what we're going to do and you need to do X. And so as an employee, you understand how a manager works. He influences your decisions. But Jesus here, when he says you can't serve both God and money, he was trying to help us understand you can have two managers, but you can't have more than one master. So this is how I thought about it this week. Not that this has ever happened to any guy in the room, but you've been on your phone, you're going down the road and you're listening in one ear and you're having a conversation and somebody's in the car with you and they're trying to have a conversation with you at the same time. Or they're talking to you about the conversation that's happening in this cell phone. And as guys, we're not smart enough. We just... And what do we do? Hey, I'm just going to put you on speakerphone. Why? Because you can't have two people talking into your ear. I mean, it's frustrating, right? You're going down the road. You're like, oh, please don't let them call while we're in here together because I'm going to have to talk. And they, you know, and the truth is this, the truth is no matter how hard you try, you're always going to be frustrated. Why? Because two different voices are trying to master you. When it comes to money, you can have two managers, but you can only have one master. So what Jesus said to us here about money is this, how we see money will determine how we serve money. How we see money will determine how we serve money. A master can counsel us. A master can counsel us, but a, or excuse me, a manager can counsel us, but a master will own us. That's what Jesus was so concerned about here. It's okay to have counsel in your life, but you need to understand, are you gonna let money own you or are you gonna own money? And there's a real difference when it comes to that. So in 1 Timothy 6.10, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, I want to say this. There's a lot of people that says, God does not want me to have money. That is not true. That is not true. In fact, as believers, as Christ followers, we should be such great managers and, and stewards of money that we should set the example for the world. Jesus says it wasn't money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. 
Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many, many griefs. I guarantee you in this room at both of our campuses, you could stand up today and give testimonies of family members, friends, work associates, people that you know that could say, I have literally watched themselves be pierced with many griefs over their own relationship to money. Jesus wants more than that. He wants us to have a right relationship with money so that we can get counsel about money, but money doesn't own us. It's great to have things. The question is, do things have us? Because that tells me a lot about our relationship. It's not about what we possess. It's what about what possesses us in life. So here's two things we got to do if we're going to be successful at feeling unstrapped. Number one is this. We got to work on our relationship with money. You say, oh my gosh, Sean, I'm working on my relationship with my kids. I'm working on my relationship at work. I'm, do- I'm working on my marriage. I'm working to Listen, if you do not work on your relationship with money, in time, you will begin to resent and feel strapped all the time. Or you will begin to store up in the wrong places and you'll feel guilty going, you know what? I don't know if that really made a difference. I knew a guy one time, he took an entire year and he wrote down some of the things that their family spent money on. And when he looked back, he said, wow, I invested more in Taco Bell than I did my family. (laughs) And he felt grieved. Why? Because he realized he needed to work on his relationship with money. You need to explore your feelings of why you feel so tense about money. You need to understand, listen, there's going to be tension, but there doesn't have to be as much tension as you say there has to be because it may not be about the numbers. It may be more about your relationship to money. See, part of feeling unstrapped is to get in touch with the relationship you have. You can't ignore it. I mean, you'll end up, you'll end up with a lot of $35 iced teas, right? You'll go through a lot of grief wondering, well, if I just had more... I, No, no, listen, that's not it. You can't ignore it. You can't pretend it doesn't affect you. You need to stop living in the shame and blame of bad money decisions. You say, well, I can't ever get out of the hole. I can't ever stop. Listen, we're gonna talk about that. But I want you to understand this. It starts with you relating well to money. Work on your relationship with money. Number two, become a good manager, not just a good measurer. This is important. We can sit and talk about what we have or what we don't have, and that becomes the focus. What if you took what God gave you and you just became a great manager of that? You say, well, how will that help me? How will that change me? The truth is, Jesus said, if you manage the things that I give you well, I'll let you manage more. You say, well, it's not fair. I know someone who's a bazillionaire and they don't manage their money well. Why does God, listen, I can't answer that question for you. All I know is this, it doesn't matter if you make $10,000 a year, $100,000 a year, a million dollars a year. It's not about the amount. It's not about the measure. It's about learning to be a good manager. I tell people this, if you wanna manage your money well, make the decision that I'm gonna focus on being a good manager and then do one key ingredient. Hire God as your financial advisor. 
You say, does it talk in the Bible about saving? Yeah, it does. Does it talk about, it's all over. Listen, one out of three scriptures in the, the New Testament, Jesus probably talked something about money. He wasn't afraid to talk about it. He wasn't strapped by it. It didn't own him. He doesn't want it to own us either. Sit down, figure out your budget, find a good plan and hire God as your advisor. God, how do you want me to manage what you've given me to do? Now, here's why this is so important. When we learn to relate well to money and possessions, we will be free to treasure the right things and we will no longer be owned by the wrong things. Would you bow your heads with me today at both of our campuses? You know, this is such a hot topic. I mean, I I hear people, I watch financial news, I, I see things, I understand stock markets. Listen, there has to be something that surpasses all of that. And here's where it starts for us. It starts with understanding God has given us means, he's given us resources, and he wants us to treasure the right things so that the wrong things won't own us. You see, the relationship between you and your money is pretty important. But I want to tell you, you will never have a right relationship between you and money until you first have a right relationship between you and God. I fully believe that one of the things that may be missing in our lives is we're trying to manage our money and do well and we're focused on the measure of it and all that other stuff. But Jesus isn't the central figure of our life. You may be here today and you say, Sean, I have never, ever thought about it that way. How could my spiritual life be bigger than my financial life. It is. You see, I treasure my relationship with Jesus more than anything else, more than money. I've had money. I've been without money. I've, I've tried to manage money well. At times I've done it well. At times I've done it bad. It's not about how good I can measure it. It's about letting Jesus own it all. And that's what needs to change in our hearts. That's what God wants to change in our hearts. So let me say this today. If you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never entered into a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus, then your greatest financial decision today is really not financial. It's spiritual. And if that's you today, if you've never trusted him as your Lord and your savior, would you pray this prayer with me at both of our campuses today? Just say, Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me on the cross. And today I open up my heart and I invite Christ to come into my life, to own me, to be my master. And Lord, today I place all my faith and all my trust in you. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sin and be the boss and the savior of my life. Jesus, I fully commit myself to you today. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.